This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome to the podcast, Crime Salad, where we talk true crime. I'm your host, Ashley, and with me always is my husband and partner in crime, Ricky. The purpose of this podcast is to honor the victims through ethical storytelling in the hopes of preventing future tragedies. We want our stories to resonate and educate others in hopes that some of these similar cases with identifiable patterns can be prevented. Now, before we jump in, please let us warn you that this is a true crime podcast. The details of this episode may be triggering to some listeners. Listener discretion advised. When the couple Bart and Krista Halderson from Windsor, Wisconsin disappeared, it was a shock to their family and friends, and completely out of character. Well, this week we are diving into the case that is filled with deception. Bart and Krista Halderson were married in 1994 with plans to live the American dream. And those plans began to come true in 1996 when their first son, Mitchell, was born, followed by Chandler just two years later in 1998. Krista reveled in being a stay-at-home mom, raising and nurturing her boys and watching them thrive and succeed, while her husband, Bart, had a career managing a successful accountancy firm. And when the boys became young adults, they didn't need much hands-on care, so Krista went back to work in a customer service role at Zimbrick Automotive in Madison, Wisconsin. They were loving parents, wonderful friends, and giving members of the community. They embodied the Midwestern spirit of a family that radiates love through every aspect of their lives. They prioritized their children's well-being and supported them wholeheartedly, whether it was attending their school events, cheering them on at sport competitions, or offering guidance and encouragement during challenging times. Bart and Krista were always unwavering pillars of support, and it appeared that their sons were thriving in this environment. Both Mitchell and Chandler had grown up to be responsible and compassionate individuals, largely influenced by their parents' values. Bart and Krista taught them the importance of education, hard work, integrity, and kindness. But their kindness extended far beyond their immediate family. They were deeply involved in their community and have always been willing to lend a helping hand to those in need. They actively participated in local charities, they volunteered at community centers, and even organized fundraising events to support causes close to their hearts. Now, fast forward to 2021. Their oldest son, 24-year-old Mitchell, had a great job working in the IT field, and he was happily engaged to be married. And likewise, 23-year-old Chandler was about to graduate from Madison Area Technical College with several certificates in sustainability and a degree in information technologies. 
He had also had a prestigious internship with a Fortune 500 insurance company and a job lined up at SpaceX in Florida following graduation. Some of you may know that SpaceX is an American manufacturer and space transportation company. It was founded in 2002 by Elon Musk, an entrepreneur and visionary known for his involvement in various ventures, including Tesla and Neuralink. The primary goal for SpaceX is to revolutionize space technology and make space exploration more accessible and affordable for future generations. Accordingly, Bart and Krista were extremely proud of both of their boys. Chandler had already scheduled his online orientation, he ordered and purchased a car, and he rented an apartment in Florida. The Haldersons were beyond proud for his accomplishments. Now, despite all of these amazing things happening in their children's lives, Bart and Krista had also faced their fair share of adversities that put their resilience and love to the test. Their biggest obstacles were related to the health of their two sons. In June of 2021, Mitchell was hospitalized and received a devastating diagnosis of sudden-onset type 1 diabetes. This news came as a shock to the entire family, and it required a major adjustment to their daily lives. Krista became a force to be reckoned with, nurturing her son back to health and educating herself about diabetes. She wanted to ensure that Mitchell had the best medical care and the best resources available to him. Just as Mitchell and his parents were adjusting to their new normal, they were hit with a new challenge. Shortly after Mitchell's diagnosis, another blow struck the family. Chandler, the youngest son, suffered a severe fall down the stairs when no one was home. He was rushed to the hospital suffering a concussion and injuries to his neck and spine. The accident had long-lasting effects on Chandler's health, leading to ongoing medical difficulties and the terrifying news that he may need a colostomy bag shortly. A colostomy bag is a medical device used to collect waste material from the digestive system when normal bowel function is disrupted. It is typically used when a part of the colon or rectum is removed or bypassed due to disease, injury, or a medical condition. Well, Chandler, he was devastated by this diagnosis, and he was also having trouble walking due to the injury from his fall. His prognosis was so severe that Chandler had to postpone and possibly give up his prestigious job at SpaceX in Florida. On July 2nd, 2021, Chandler was trying to come to terms with his new normal. He sent a text message to his girlfriend, Kat, which read, quote, My life isn't going well lately, so I'm trying to plan for the next thing to fuck me over. I had a great future planned, and it's falling apart. While showering, he heard a persistent knock on the door and windows. He stepped outside to find his mom's friend and co-worker Dan Croninger peeking through the garage windows. When he asked him what he was doing, Dan said he was worried about Chandler's mom. She hadn't shown up for work that day, and she wasn't answering her phone. Dan was more than a co-worker. He had become a dear family friend with both Bart and Krista. Chandler explained that his parents had gone to northern Wisconsin to their lake house for the 4th of July holiday weekend. Dan thought this was odd because Krista had never mentioned it to him, nor was it like her to miss work without calling. Dan asked how they got to the lake if both of their cars were in the garage. Chandler, still wet and wrapped in a towel, was irritated by the questions. He explained that they had gone to the lake with another couple and that couple had picked them up at 6 a.m. that morning. 
Chandler had helped his parents pack. He told them they took a lot of alcohol and a large amount of cash with them. He explained that there was poor cell phone coverage at the lake, and that's probably why they weren't responding. On the morning of July 4th, Chandler received a text message from his mom. It read, quote, Made it safely, can't get anything through, and yes, it's packed. Going to the lake today for the parade, and we'll be home Monday night, Tuesday early. Love you lots. The only problem with the text is that the 4th of July was on a Sunday that year, and the town parade was the day before on the 3rd. But perhaps Krista didn't know this until after she sent the text. So, although strange, it was definitely possible they were probably out having a good time and enjoying themselves celebrating the 4th of July. But Monday, when they were to come home, the day came and went, and there was still no sign of Krista and Bart. Neither of them had showed up again for work, and they didn't show up the next day either. At the urging of his brother and his girlfriend, Chandler finally reported his parents missing. This wasn't like them, and he was starting to panic. Police came to the family home in Windsor, Wisconsin, to take Chandler's missing person report. The police noticed that the house was spotless, except for a section of the flooring that appeared to be missing. There was also a broken panel of glass in the family fireplace. Chandler explained that he had thrown a ball for the dog and it had broken the panel of glass. He explained away the appearance of the home due to remodeling projects. The next day, Chandler began giving interviews to the media trying to generate leads. All I would really want to ask you is just if there's any information that you feel like, you know, would be worthwhile for us to share, anything that you feel like is, is important for us to share, just anything, anything like that, of that mm-hmm. nature. Um, so my last uh, message I got from them, they were going to White Lake for the 4th of July. There's some festivities that go around there, you know, better drink prices at bars, stuff like that for, um, yeah, White Lake, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, their plan, or from to my knowledge, they're going to Langland County to a cabin, uh, their cabin. Um, along the way, they could have stopped many places. I, I wouldn't know all of them. Mm. Mm. But it's about three hours north of Madison or Dane County. And they left then uh, a week ago today on the first Friday, uh, Friday. Friday morning. So yeah. that would have been the second right of July when they left, yes. and that's the last you'd heard of them. Yes, it is. And then was it yesterday that you called the sheriff's office or someone with your family called the sheriff's office just to? I go check? back on that. No I actually um, got a text from them on Sunday telling me they were going to White Lake. Okay. I don't know when the text was sent because of reception issues that they would have, and they usually turn their phone off because of for roaming yeah um we they it could have been whenever they sent that message that they made it safely and they're going to white lake for the fourth okay so yeah so it was probably the last couple days that you started to get nervous then um is there you know we see comments people say you know are they up north is the cell service bad you know could they you know just not be able to get a hold of is there anything that you feel like is kind of going on here that leads you to be a little bit more nervous that that's not the case um my aunt went up there and was able to call me while she was at the cabin okay so she was able to call me i don't know what provider she's using Mm -hmm. but U.S. Cellular would take up most of Wisconsin, so 
like they'd be able to call today mm-hmm. because this weekend it was packed i i get that packed maybe the weather wasn't great for messaging mm-hmm. yeah so mm-hmm. who knows and then the other thing i wanted to ask you about was <clears throat> the or a lot of the comments people were concerned or kind of wanted some clarification about the vehicle right because the reports from the sheriff's office say they, they didn't have a car or there wasn't a car with them. They brought, or they were picked up by their friends okay. who I never got the name of. And I, I assumed it was someone I was aware of, like the close neighbors of theirs up the street or um, their best friends down on the east side. So that's what I assumed. I never really asked any further in it to, into it. And so they got picked up and they all went up there by like another couple picked up here yeah here at my house okay before i woke up they, they had everything packed up and jeez. and do you you don't know who they're who no. jeez that's uh i mean that that has happened before where they just kind of head out before i leave or i wake up you know i'm heavy sleeper mm-hmm. i i'm on a schedule i wake up at six to feed the dogs and they were out before six mm-hmm. beat the, the rush to get That was Chandler Halderson giving one of many interviews to the media in hopes of finding his parents. Telling the press the same story that he had told the police a day earlier when he reported them missing. While Chandler was giving interviews, his brother and fiancé were heading to the family's lake house in hopes of finding their parents. At this point, Mitchell, along with close family friends, were extremely worried. They began to believe there was either a car accident or a boating accident up at the lake, preventing the Hoddersons from seeking help. However, once they arrived, it was clear that no one had been at the lake cabin for a very long time. There were no recent tire tracks, nor were there any sign that anyone had been inside, including no food in the refrigerator. This was odd because Krista's text had said that they made it to the lake house. Almost immediately, police began investigating other avenues, including tips from people close to Chandler. Right after that interview, police asked both Chandler and his girlfriend, Kat, to come down to the police station to answer some more questions. Once again, Chandler painstakingly went through his actions, starting on July 1st when his parents were last seen by people other than Chandler. When he arrived, he asked if something had gone on or if something happened. Police were vague, but Chandler kept pressing for answers, asking if they discovered something. Later, they would find out that for the past two days, Chandler had been Googling several phrases. He searched Body Parts Wisconsin, Bart and Krister Halderson, Body Parts Found, found unidentified body parts near Lake Wisconsin. For a few hours, police allowed Chandler to explain in detail where he had been from the 1st through the 7th. They noticed he had left out many places they had recently discovered that he had been. The reason behind those omissions had to do with where police were discovering body parts. Chandler interrupted the questions with a question of his own. He wanted to know if someone was currently searching his house. Again, police were vague and asked why he wanted to know. Chandler said that a female officer had said something had happened, and again he wanted to know if they had found anything. At this point, the police had had enough of Chandler. They told him they knew he hadn't been truthful. 
they gave him one last chance to tell the truth. Instead, Chandler asked for a lawyer. His police interview ended in an arrest for filing a false police report. His family, friends, and community were shocked. But that wouldn't be the only shocking news. By July 15th, Chandler was formally charged with his father's murder, after Bart Halderson's dismembered torso had been found on a farm belonging to his girlfriend's mother. He was also charged with mutilating a corpse. And then, a few weeks later, police found partially dismembered legs in one of Chandler's favorite swimming holes. Later, they would be identified as belonging to Krista Halderson. At trial, the prosecutor would describe a toxic relationship between Chandler and his parents, filled with an alternative delusional reality created by Chandler. In perfect detail, the prosecutor, William Brown, described all the evidence against Chandler. He began by telling the jury about Krista and Bart Halderson, a loving couple in their 50s who had worked hard their entire lives to raise their two sons. Their son Mitchell was employed in tech, engaged to be married, and was purchasing his first home. He was doing very well in life. In July of 2021, it was only Chandler left at home, and he would soon be graduating and starting his job at SpaceX in Florida. Prosecutor Brown told the jury that most of the evidence they would hear began in the first week of July, and it wouldn't be the story that Chandler told the police, the press, or family and friends, it would be a shocking tale of violence and cold premeditated murder. Simply put, Chandler had created a delusional reality for himself. Almost everything he told his parents was a lie, and that week, it all surfaced. On July 1st, 2021, somewhere between 3 and 5 p.m., Chandler murdered both of his parents. On July 7th, nearly a week after secretly killing his parents, Chandler falsely reported them missing. Chandler explained that they hadn't come back from their family cabin. He told police that they left Friday morning early before he woke up. He helped his parents pack the night before. And according to Chandler, they took liquor, cash, and silver bars. He explained that they were picked up by friends that he never met. Chandler told other people his parents went to the cabin that weekend to make repairs. To some people, he said that there were electrical issues, and to others, he told them that they were fixing plumbing problems. But what is most important is the days before Chandler murdered his parents, he told his girlfriend Kat that he thought his parents might be going to the lake that weekend, but he wasn't sure. Prosecutors believe that this was because Chandler hadn't yet decided if or when he was going to kill his parents. This shows premeditation and long-term planning. This wasn't a spur-of-the-moment murder, and that morning he finally told Kat that his parents were going to the lake after all. That was five hours before they were actually murdered. And there is a reason why he murdered them on that day, and we will get into that in a few minutes. While police were investigating the Haldersons' disappearance, they learned from co-workers that neither of them would have left town without telling their respective employers. The police wanted to start their investigation with the person who had seen them last, and that person was Chandler, their son. He was also the person who had reported them missing. Accordingly, they learned that he was a college student, about to graduate with a hybrid IT degree, and his future looked bright. 
he was working from home due to COVID at American Family Insurance. They also learned that after graduation, he would be moving to Florida for the prestigious job at SpaceX. He was about to embark on a career that people in the IT field could only dream about. He had rented an apartment, and his girlfriend Kat was planning to join him in August after her lease expired. She was also looking into pharmaceutical schools in Florida. And they also discovered that Chandler was working for the Madison Police in their Department of Natural Resources diving team. He was a certified scuba diver, volunteering to help recover bodies, evidence, and property. Scuba diving was a passion of Chandler's. In high school, he was also a national swim and diving champion. But that all came to an end a few weeks earlier when he fell down the stairs and permanently injured himself. Now, at first, the police, they didn't suspect Chandler. They believed that Bart and Krista and an unknown couple were trapped in a ditch somewhere dead from a car crash. So they began looking. They searched the family cabin and the roadway the entire way there. When police began speaking with Kat, she told them that she and Chandler had a normal 4th of July weekend. Neither of them were worried about Chandler's parents at the time. They went to Kat's family farm, they swam in the pool, and they ate dinner together. But Chandler was having some difficulties relating to his concussion. He couldn't move his legs, so he asked if he could come back to the farm sometime in the future to swim in the pool. He felt like it would be a really good exercise and might lead to gaining back some mobility. Now, police, in an effort to corroborate Chandler's alibi, went to talk to the very person who owned the farm, and that was Kat's mother's partner. The partner confirmed that Chandler was with them on the 4th of July, but she had some additional information that Chandler had not shared with authorities. She said that Chandler showed up at her home the next day on the 5th of July, asking to use her pool by himself. She did say that he could come and use the pool any time that he wanted, but she said it was a polite gesture she didn't expect him to take her up on. So she was surprised when he came by asking to use the pool. Of course, she told him he could use it, even though she thought it was odd that he showed up without Kat. She said that he was acting a bit bizarre and oversharing. He told her that he had come from a doctor's appointment and had received some bad news. With his condition, he couldn't travel, he couldn't focus on orientation, and he was losing his opportunity to work for SpaceX. He appeared to be extremely upset. She sat in her house for a few hours and let him have his space. A few hours later, she went down to the barn area and the pool to check on him, but he wasn't there. The pool was still covered and hadn't been used. She looked out into the far pasture and saw Chandler's car parked in a field with the trunk of his car open, facing a meadow with tall grass. She thought, well, maybe he's gone for a walk, trying to exercise his legs, so she went to the pool area and waited for him. She began swimming, and a little while later, she saw Chandler walking out of the woods. And when he saw her, he looked startled. However, a few minutes later, he decided to join her and Kat's mom in the pool. The three of them swam together and discussed Chandler's recent condition. Kat's mom had offered Chandler a place to live since he couldn't take his SpaceX job. Now, when the police came to the property, she showed the police the area that she last saw Chandler, and they both looked up at the sky and noticed turkey vultures flying above. Turkey vultures are attracted to the smell of decay. This immediately made the investigators suspicious. 
When he went out to the field below the vultures, he found a male torso under a pile of debris. The torso was missing his limbs and his head. Someone had crudely chopped off the head, the arms, and the legs in the middle of the thigh. The torso was wearing underwear and torn pants. When they rolled the torso over, they noticed that he had been shot twice in the back. This idyllic hobby farm had become a crime scene. Investigators also found a trash can further from the body, and it contained a tarp. And that tarp contained both blood from Krista and Bart Halderson. The spot where Chandler had been seen walking out of the woods had a burn barrel with tools inside of it. There was an axe, saw blades, handsaws, tree loopers, and scissors. They were all covered in flesh and blood belonging to Krista and Bart. About 100 yards from where Bart's torso had been found, they found the murder weapon hidden in the barn behind a bunch of boards. It was an SKS rifle. It was at this point that Chandler was taken to the police station and eventually arrested for filing a false police report. Kat, who is a true crime fan, knew that when someone was missing, you had to exclude the people closest to the victims. So she began sharing photos of screenshots of places she knew Chandler had been that weekend. When they were first dating, Chandler had cheated on Kat. And as a result, to rebuild trust, Chandler agreed to share his GPS location with Kat on their Snapchat app. She had taken screenshots of Chandler in the field next to her mother's partner's farm. But she had also shared a screenshot of him in the middle of a wooded area next to a river taken earlier that morning. At the time, she assumed that Chandler was looking for his parents, but it was at that exact location where police found Krista's legs. It was one leg, one portion of a thigh, and one foot. Her head, arms, and torso have never been found. They believe that Chandler disposed of them in the deep and fast-moving river. Kat left the house early that morning on July 3rd because Chandler had chores to do, so she was surprised to see him near his favorite watering hole, a place where he took many of his friends to his favorite swimming spot. He had sent one friend a photo of himself climbing a distinctive tree found near his mother's foot holding a machete. Things were starting to look bad for Chandler, but it was about to get much worse. Neighbors began coming forward. Chandler had started going door-to-door -door asking his neighbors if they had surveillance cameras. Several had said yes, they had, and police had already been by to collect the footage. Instead of thanking them, Chandler had what several neighbors called creepy follow-up questions. He wanted to know what the footage showed. He wanted to know if their cameras covered his street, the driveway, or his house. He wanted to know if the footage showed his parents' car backing up into the garage or driving away in certain directions. That's when Chandler noticed that there were several police cars on his street. What Chandler didn't know was that by that time, police had recovered his father's torso, and he was under surveillance. He had called a police detective demanding to know if something had been found and why there were several police cars parked on his street. He was told that they were probably interviewing neighbors. This caused Chandler to search for women's body found in the river and women's body parts found near Wisconsin River. Now, a lot of the evidence against Chandler came from his phone, but even more came from his fireplace. When police arrived, they noticed the broken fireplace glass panel. The fireplace appeared to be clean with fresh logs. However, looking a bit closer, in the middle of the logs was an odd-looking rock. 
Later, that would be determined to be a piece of skull. And also, in the ash trap, something Chandler likely didn't know existed, police discovered 230 human bone fragments. It became very clear that over hours, Chandler burned his parents' heads and hands. Among the identified human bone fragments, 53 came from the skull, 18 bone fragments came from the hands, 24 were dental fragments, 8 came from the vertebrae found in the neck, and 3 came from knees and lung bones. Another neighbor would describe a smell of a pig roast coming from the Haldersons' home for a period of 24 hours. At one point in the night, Chandler googled how to make the fire hotter and discovered it needed oxygen. That's why police would later find a fan facing the fireplace. But some of the most interesting evidence of all gave a glimpse into Chandler's mind. It was his father's phone and computer, and Chandler's phone and computer. You see, one of Bart's biggest issues was the fact that Chandler never had any money despite working for a Fortune 500 insurance company. He told Chandler he wanted him to start paying rent, but the rent never happened. At first, Chandler explained that there was an accounting error. He was supposed to be paid on salary, and they had mistakenly categorized him as hourly. They had to fix this accounting error before they could pay him. Another time, Chandler had messed up the information for the direct deposit. Once he cleared that up, the company owed him so much money, it looked like a suspicious deposit, so his bank rejected it. This resulted in another delay. Chandler would forward emails from his work correspondence to his father so he knew that he was in the process of trying to get paid. This went on for about seven months until Bart's death. It only ended when Chandler had to quit the job due to his fall down the stairs, which resulted in him severely being injured. We know that Chandler had been wearing a cervical collar since his accident, and family and friends were bringing him meals while Krista was at work. Krista would call him throughout the day to make sure that he was okay and ask if he needed anything. His injuries included a concussion, a brain bleed, a subcranial hematoma, spinal damage, inability to use his legs, inability to drive, and inability to fly a plane. This was due to cranial pressure and his head being drilled open to relieve pressure. Chandler also shared with some people his eventual need for a colostomy bag. The only problem with these issues is none of them were true. Chandler never worked at American Insurance. All the letters and correspondence back and forth to his job were created by Chandler with a separate email account. And all of these injuries were a complete lie. According to the ER doctor, there were no signs of permanent damage or even a slight concussion. However, given Chandler's insistence he had blurry vision and couldn't concentrate, they said he may have a minor concussion and offered him a neck collar at his request. The other big lie in Chandler's life was his job at SpaceX. You guessed it, that job also didn't exist. But the biggest lie of all was likely the reason Chandler killed his parents. Bart was starting to catch on to Chandler. He would print out all of his email exchanges, including those with his wife. In one email, he told Krista that he had spoken to someone at Madison College, but they sounded a lot like Chandler. It was Chandler. He had purchased a burner phone for the occasion. For over a year, Bart had been trying to get a copy of Chandler's school transcripts at Madison College. 
Chandler had exchanged several emails with more fictitious people expressing outrage at their incompetence in sorting out his school records. At one point, he stated that he had been a student for over three years, and this was outrageous conduct, that they couldn't sort out his records. Finally, on the day Bart was murdered, he called Madison College and impersonated his son. He told them that he was Chandler Halderson, and he wanted a status on his transcripts and graduation, including his certificates in other disciplines. The person he spoke to was very patient. In a 17-minute recorded phone call, you can hear the realization in Bart's voice. He learned that Chandler owed the school almost $2,000 and wasn't a student past his first semester, freshman year. When Bart asked this person about the other people he had corresponded with, he was told none of them existed. Bart set a meeting for Chandler and himself to go to the school the next day. All he had told Chandler was that he had spoken with someone from the school. There was never any other discussion. At 3 o'clock p.m., he texted Chandler that he was ready to leave for a meeting whenever Chandler was ready. It was likely he wanted to see how far Chandler would continue with the lies. We know that Chandler was ready, but not for the meeting. Somehow, he convinced his father to come down to the basement. When Bart entered the basement, he was shot twice in the back. Then Chandler called his mother. He told her that Bart's phone wasn't charged and to let her know that he had another hour of work. Then he asked her to stop at the store for soda. She told him that she would be happy to stop and that she loved him. Prosecutors believe that this was to stall her and give him a chance to clean up and hide Bart's body. When his mother came home, he found another reason to lure Krista to the basement. She was likely shot as well since five bullets were missing from the cartridge of the gun. Now, let's talk about the SKS rifle. Each morning, Bart would wake up Chandler for his job that didn't exist. Since Chandler was pretending to work, he needed something to do to fill his days. He chose online gaming. The only people gaming at 6 a.m. were people in different time zones. Chandler became friends with a soldier stationed in Germany. The two became good friends when the soldier came out to stay with the Haldersons a month before Krista and Bart's murder. And during that trip, he gifted Chandler an SKS rifle and over 400 rounds of high-powered ammunition. It was that gun and ammo that Chandler used to kill his parents. One of the most interesting pieces of evidence shared with the jury was some legal research Chandler had conducted a week before killing his parents and again in the days following their murder. It was a case from Wisconsin about a man who had killed and dismembered his parents. The case was overturned on appeal because the man had suffered a severe head injury. The prosecutor had Chandler's doctor testify that his tumble down the stairs, if true, didn't result in any damage or mental defect in his brain. There was surveillance footage of Chandler on the day he murdered his parents without his cervical collar. He carried 20 bags of ice to his car and suddenly had no trouble walking. With all of this evidence and more against Chandler, the jury only deliberated for two hours. Of course, they found him guilty on all counts. They had no problem following the evidence that led to the parricide of the Halderson family. 
Parricide refers to the act of killing one's parents or caregivers, typically involving the intentional and unlawful taking of their lives. That's the definition, but it doesn't quite cover all of the complexities that can lead to such a horrific outcome. It's considered one of the most severe and morally reprehensible crimes, as it involves the betrayal of a familial bond and the violation of the inherent trust and love between a parent and a child. The motivations behind these acts can vary widely, ranging from deep-seated resentment and anger to mental illness or other psychological factors. Legal systems worldwide treat parricide as a serious offense, carrying severe penalties, including imprisonment or even capital punishment, depending on the jurisdiction. Accordingly, a jury found Chandler Halderson guilty of parricide. He was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. At his sentencing hearing, Chandler took the time to address the court. He stated that the reason he didn't show any emotion during his trial was that he was instructed to remain stoic by his defense team. Then he asked if any lawyers were listening to get in contact with him to help him with his appeal. For some delusional reason, Chandler still thinks that he is going to get out of jail someday, but he won't. His elaborate web of lies fell apart after Bart found out that his son had been lying to him for years. Instead of honoring his parents, he dismembered them with plans to burn their remains in the family fireplace. And when that proved to be too cumbersome, he discarded their remains in fields, farms, rivers, and roadsides. He treated them like unwanted trash. When his desperate tales could no longer hide his true character, he chose to end their lives as if they were meaningless obstacles. Chandler Halderson was a 23-year-old boy whose life was woven together with a web of deceit. To his parents, he portrayed a vibrant image of success, regaling them with tales of academic accomplishments and job prospects that seemed too good to be true, and indeed they were. Chandler's facade was built on a foundation of lies crafted meticulously through fake email accounts, burner phones, and a labyrinth of fictional characters. For years, he manipulated his parents, convincing them of his academic success and even securing a fake dream job at SpaceX. But as the weight of his deception bore down on him, reality finally caught up to Chandler. Bart Halderson, like most fathers, had always been a pillar of trust and unwavering support for Chandler. But as the truth unraveled, Bart found himself on the brink of disillusionment. He didn't want to believe his son had lied to him. The disappointment pierced his heart with each lie he uncovered. How could his own flesh and blood weave such an intricate tapestry of falsehoods? It was a betrayal that struck at the core of his being. In the depths of his anguish, he was about to be betrayed one final time. Chandler's lies were unraveling, and as a result, an insidious darkness, fueled by anger and entitlement, drove his actions. While the signs of sociopathy in young adult children may not always be obvious, there are red flags that, if caught in time, could have offered a glimpse of hope. They could have led to a different outcome. In this case, Chandler's lack of empathy, persistent deceit, and a pattern of manipulation for personal gain would be too large to overcome. 
The story of the Halderson family and the tragedy that unfolded within it serves as a chilling reminder of the complexities and hidden depth that lie within the human psyche. It urges us to remain vigilant, to foster open lines of communication with our loved ones, and to seek professional help if we suspect signs of sociopathic tendencies in those closest to us. In the face of such darkness, it is our collective responsibility to shed light and offer support to prevent such devastating outcomes and preserve the bonds that should unite families. And that completes this week's episode. But before we jump off here, I just want to give a shout out to our new patrons this week. This week we have Sean, Tara, Samantha, and Aries. Thank you so much for supporting our show. Enjoy the ad-free listens and occasional bonus content. All right, we will see you next week. Bye.